is the Equity Experience Podcast, a space created for every educator or school leader who is authentically pursuing equity and inclusion in their classrooms and schools. I'm your host, Dr. Carla Manning, and I welcome you. Good day, good day, good day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Equity Experience Podcast. I am Dr. Carla Rose Manning. Rose is my middle name. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. On today's podcast, this is something I've been thinking about, and at some point I really want to go deeper with this particular concept here, and I'm thinking about the role of personal responsibility and personal accountability when doing DEI work, right? Now, what do I mean by that? Oftentimes, when folks are engaging in diversity, equity, and inclusion work, we focus on problems and issues as they are happening like on a macro level and how certain problems and issues are happening systemically within an institution or an organization. So a lot of times it's like looking at policies and, you know, very systemic issues. But as I'm doing this work, as I'm having conversations with people, as I'm engaging in my own evolution and my own growth and journey as a DEI champion, I'm coming to realize that so much of DEI also requires that micro perspective. So it requires the macro perspective in terms of the transformations and changes needed to happen at a macro level. There are a lot of transformations and changes needed at the micro and individual level just as well. And the reason why I say that is because a system, no matter how large a system is, a system to a certain degree is made up of the people who make up the system. The system is the people. Right. When we talk about the healthcare system, the public education system, the incarceration system, in a nutshell, a system is made up of the people who operate within the system as the workers, the supervisors, the managers. And all of these people come together within that system and agree on a set of norms, agree on a set of rules to determine the culture of that system. Right. And so as I think about DEI work, and as I think about what's one of the things that's needed, there has to be a point when the individuals in a system take responsibility for their actions on an individual level. So this conversation is more focused on the individuality aspect of transforming schools and districts for DEI, right? I think about an example, and I'm not sure if I shared this example on this podcast or not, but I think about an example of a prime example that I'm thinking of. I conducted a training for a nonprofit in New York City. This was last year, or my team and I conducted the training, I should say. And there was a person, a participant in the training, and he was a white man, and he shared this story. And he said that when he was a teacher, there was one day when he was teaching like third grade or fourth grade class. And there was a young girl, a black girl in his class who I don't want to say she challenged him, but maybe she was like asking him questions about the content or asking him questions about why they had to learn the content or something of the sort. I I forget the exact details that he shared, but this black girl was interrogating him or, you know, sort of challenging him around what they were learning. And Perhaps maybe the way that she said it, maybe her tone of voice or maybe her approach or what have you, perhaps made this white male teacher a bit uncomfortable. And he acknowledged that. He acknowledged that he was a bit uncomfortable with how she was talking to him. Now, keep in mind, this is a grown man. 
saying that he felt uncomfortable about a third grader or a fourth grader who was asking him questions about some content that they were learning, okay? Even though he acknowledged the discomfort, he acknowledged that. And after he said that, he said that his next step at that point was to reprimand her because he said that he felt that her tone of voice was inappropriate. He didn't like the kinds of questions that she was asking. And furthermore, and he admitted this too, just as well, he did not like the fact that she was questioning him. (laughs) He just didn't like that fact, in addition to some of the other things. So he didn't like the fact that there were some power dynamics that were being flipped at this point. He was not comfortable with any of that. So his next point was to reprimand her. And he said he was going to write her up and send her out. And he said right before he did that, he stopped and he thought to himself. And he said, would he have this same level of discomfort if one of his white students were asking him this question? The same question that the Black girl was asking him, he said, would he have felt uncomfortable if those same questions were coming from one of his white students? And he said, of course not. He said, of course not. And so he said, right at that moment, he had to ask himself, well, what is the real reason as to why I am reprimanding her? He felt that the real reason was not because of the questions that she was asking. It was because of the fact that she was a Black girl asking those questions. The questions themselves were not the problem. And he said when he thought about it, actually, he said he later reflected those questions where he said were actually very, you know, on point questions. These are very intelligent questions that this girl was asking. So the questions in themselves, the content of the questions was not the problem. It was the fact that this Black girl had the audacity to ask a white man questions around their curriculum and their learning. And that is what he had the problem with. But he said right at that moment, he put that pen down and did not go through with writing this girl up. And he shared that reflection in the training. And I never forgot that. I never forgot that. And I said at that point to myself, I said, that is the epiphany as to what we want educators to have. That is it right there. Right at that moment. When someone is about to reprimand a student, when someone is about to kick a student out, when someone is about to make a remark that's racially biased or offensive, what happens right when you decide to take a pause, take a break, and stop and say, let me think about this before I say it or before I do it. Let me think about this. And in my opinion, that pause And that opportunity for reflection is a part of that personal accountability and responsibility that we need. See, that white male teacher, for him to do that was monumental on many levels, right? But one of the things that he decided to do was take personal accountability for his racial bias at that moment. He decided to take responsibility and say, why am I doing this? What is the real reason here? And are my biases justified? And he said that he could not answer that question authentically, so he did not go through with writing this young girl up. So again, going back to my point, which is we have to take personal responsibility for our work as diversity, equity, and inclusion advocates. We have to. And it cannot be always everybody else. 
Because yes, of course it is, it's all of us, right? But for all of us on an individual level, it begins with you. It begins with me. As I always like to say, one of my favorite songs by Michael Jackson is The Man in the Mirror, you know, but I like to say Woman in the Mirror, but whatever. Well, that's one of his best songs. Because in that song, what he is doing is he's saying that all of us need to take responsibility for our own problems, our own issues, our own drama. We have to take responsibility for ourselves. And that begins with us looking in the mirror at who we are. So that's what I would invite all of us to do and to think about that. At one point, are we seriously promoting personal responsibility? At what point do we engage in personal responsibility and where we are not just making diversity, equity, and inclusion work about someone else or about a larger system or a larger issue at hand, but when we make diversity, equity, and inclusion work about us personally. The same thing when we see different inequities or inequalities or different racialized events happening, right? When Chauvin murdered George Floyd, at that moment, that was a personal choice that Chauvin decided to make. And him taking personal responsibility to say, you know what, this man does not need to die in order for him to be held accountable for his infractions. Let me get up, let me remove my knee from his neck and let's think about another way where this man can be held accountable in a way that does not involve murder. But see, Chauvin chose to not take personal responsibility. He chose to engage in fear. He chose to engage with his racial biases that led him to choose to intentionally kill and murder someone. So a part of the work that we do with the Equity Leadership Group, a part of what we are doing here on this podcast is also promoting that necessary personal accountability. There has to be a point where we on an individual level are taking personal responsibility and accountability for that work. And that begins with us looking at the person in the mirror. That begins with us looking at the person in the mirror. All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast, good people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope this podcast was informative. I hope it was helpful and educational. Feel free to check us out. Learn more about who we are and what we do at www.equityleadershipgroup. And go ahead and sign up for your free consultation where we are happy to have a discussion with you about challenges and needs within your school district, institution, or organization. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Be well, be blessed. And I thank you for supporting and for listening to the show. Until next time, be well. Bye-bye.